Norfolk City Council is now in session. The opening prayer will be given by Reverend um, Canaan Wynn Lewis, Christ and St. Luke's Episcopal Church. Welcome, Pastor, and please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. Let us pray. O gracious light, you who enlighten our way through the darkness and show us right pathways for your name's sake, shine upon those gathered here tonight to guide and govern the people of this community and offer their insights and speak from their truth. Enlighten their minds and hearts with your calm wisdom, your fierce compassion, and your undaunted courage. Prevent the darkness of anxiety from overwhelming decisions. Rather, help all to trust in your quiet presence and grace, knowing that you will give more than any of us can desire or pray for. Warm their hearts so that they may always protect love, seek understanding, value justice, work for peace, and respect the dignity of every human being. And in and through the demands and expectations placed on their shoulders, may they never cease to be captivated by the joy and wonder of serving others. We pray this in your name, which is love. Amen. Amen. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. <laughs> Mr. Clerk, please read uh, the roll. Call the roll. Ms. Doyle? Here. Ms. Graves? Here. Ms. Johnson? Here. Ms. McClellan? Here. Ms. Schmeagel? Here. Ms. Thomas? Here. Mr. Alexander? Here. The motion is to excuse Councilman Riddick. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Ms. Schmeagel? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. The motion is to dispense with the reading of the minutes of our previous meeting. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Meagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. Mr. Clark, please read the resolution certifying the closed meeting. A resolution certifying a closed meeting of the Council of the City of Norfolk in accordance with the provisions of the Virginia Freedom of Information Act. Adopt the resolution. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Mr. Alexander. Aye. Uh, good evening. For the benefit of those who do not regularly attend uh, our council meetings, the procedure that we'll follow tonight is first take up ceremony items. Next, we'll take up public hearings. Then the consent agenda, which will be voted on in the block. If any member of the council or the public wishes to discuss an item, that item will be removed from the block and considered separately. Following the consent agenda, we will take up the regular agenda items in the order as they appear on your docket. Upon the completion of the agenda, we then take up any new business to come before the council. To address the council, you should have registered to speak in the lobby of the council chamber before 7 p.m. When your name is called, please come to the podium, state your name and your address, and please limit your comments to three minutes. <coughs> Mr. Clerk, we have no ceremonial items, so we're going to call PH1. Public hearing one scheduled this day under state law, public notice having been inserted in the local press by the city clerk on the application of the city planning commission for a zoning text amendment to sections 
Boarding of Zoning Appeals Procedure 2.4.11 Variance Zoning 5.11.9 Small Cell Facility and 7.6 Remedies and Penalties of the Norfolk Zoning Ordinance to modify the grounds for granting variances, maximum penalties for ongoing zoning violations, and regulations for wireless communications infrastructure to reflect changes made in state law. Planning Commission recommends approval 6-0. Please call the roll. An ordinance to amend the Norfolk Zoning Ordinance so as to incorporate changes in state law related to variances, small cell telecommunications facilities, and maximum penalties for zoning violations. Dispense with the Charter Requirements Reading Ordinance and adopt. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. And Mr. Alexander? Aye. Mr. Clark, PH2. PH2 scheduled this day under state law, public notice having been inserted in local press by the city clerk on application of the City Planning Commission for a zoning text amendment to section 3.6.11, principal accessory and temporary use table for historic and cultural conservation base zoning districts of the Norfolk Zoning Ordinance to allow school, secondary, and the Ghent Historic and Cultural Conservation District by conditional use permit. Planning Commission recommends approval 6-0. Please call the roll. An ordinance to amend zoning Norfolk Zoning Ordinance so as to add secondary school as a use allowable in the Ghent Historic and Cultural Conservation Zoning District by conditional use permit. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. And Mr. Alexander? Aye. PH3. Public hearing three, scheduled this day under the state law, public notice having been inserted in local press by the city clerk on application of the Little Creek Marina LLC for a closure of certain parcel of land at the eastern section of Bath Street from Pretty Lake Avenue, southwesterly to the eastern branch of Little Creek and a portion of the western portion of Bath Street from the eastern branch of Little Creek. Planning Commission recommends approval 6-0. Clerk, please call the roll. An ordinance vacating a portion of Bath Street, accepting the dedication of a public drainage easement by Little Creek Marina, LLC, and approving terms of the deed of easement. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. And Mr. Alexander? Aye. PH4? PH4, scheduled this day under the state law, public notice having been inserted in local press by the city clerk on application of Monument Development 17 LLC for a change of zoning from multi-family neighborhood scale and park place neighborhood resilience overlay to conditional neighborhood district, neighborhood commercial district rather, at 117 to, two, uh, to 123 West 26th Street. Planning Commission recommends approval 6-0. Please call the roll. An ordinance to rezone properties located at 117 to 123 West 26th Street from multifamily neighborhood and Park Place Neighborhood Resilience Overlay to Conditional Neighborhood Commercial District. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. And Mr. Alexander? Aye. Page 5. PH5 scheduled this day under the state law, public notice having been inserted in local press by the city clerk to hear comments on a lease agreement with Scotland Farms LLC for the lease of city property owned and located at 
56 Carroll Road in the city of Chesapeake. Please call the roll. An ordinance approving a lease agreement with Scotland Farms LLC for the lease of city property owned and located at 456 Carroll Road in the city of Chesapeake. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Smeagol? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. And Mr. Alexander? Aye. PH6. PH6. Scheduled this day under the state law, public notice having been inserted in the local press by the city clerk to hear comments on approving a purchase and sale agreement between the city of Norfolk as seller and Unity Properties LLC as purchaser and authorizing the conveyance of real property located at 815, 819, 823, 825, 827, and 829 Park Avenue and 1513, rather, Bond Street. Please call the roll. An ordinance approving a purchase and sale agreement between the City of Norfolk as seller and Unity Properties LLC as purchaser and authorizing the conveyance of real property located at 815, 819, 823, 825, 827, and 829 Park Avenue and 1513 Bond Street in the City of Norfolk to Unity Properties LLC. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Smeagol? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. And Mr. Alexander? Aye. Mr. Clerk, C1 through C13 will be considered in a block. Mr. Mayor, excuse what? me, can you separate C1, please? C1 is removed from the block. Mr. Clerk, C2 through C13 will be considered in a block. I think you have a speaker, an opponent on five. Am I on right? On five? Um, I, think got a, I think you've got a proponent and an opponent. I only ha I don't have an opponent. Uh, well, I'll just call Justin the uh, well, well, let me just separate C5 and C13. Uh, and we'll, we'll have C1, C5, and C13 to be removed from the block, Mr. Clerk. Removing C1, C5, and C13 from the block. Yes, sir. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt the consent agenda excluding C1, C5, and C13. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Smeagol? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. And Mr. Alexander? Aye. Okay, Mr. Clerk, C1. C1, an ordinance granting additional use permit authorizing the sale of alcoholic beverages for off-premises consumption at an establishment named Aldi on property located at 1050 North Military Highway. Is there anybody here from Aldi? So the reason why I separated is because there's a project on Little Creek Road with Aldi's and we're just trying to get an update on the status of that and moving forward with this store and location. Um, this one, other one's been in the works and we just haven't heard what's going on with this. We, we heard a demolition of the Atlas building in December. <coughs> But then also there were some issues with engineering and site plan. So I, I, I'm, we're just trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, I support having the other store, but it would be nice to hear what's happening. Like sure, absolutely, yeah, okay. please, please. Council, it's nice to meet you. My name is Justin Sproul. I'm the real estate director for Aldi. Uh, I cover the Hampton Roads area. So uh, to answer your question, Mr. Smeagol, uh, that project is still ongoing. Nothing has changed. Nothing will change with the granting of this permit. So okay. 
anyway, right. if that, that's the short answer to your question. And we are still scheduled to do all the things that you mentioned there. They just haven't quite gotten to the final closing process on okay. the Little Creek site. Are you doing still doing that construction first or? To the, be determined. Okay. We're trying to get, we'll obviously have to get through the permitting process on, on JANF, but they'll both be happening. So. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McCullen? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. And Mr. Alexander? Aye. C5? C5, an ordinance granting conditional use permit authorizing the sale of alcoholic beverages for off-premises consumption at an establishment named The Vale Brewing Company on property located at 2314 Colonial Avenue. All right. So we have uh, Dustin Durant. Okay, all right. Um, Madeline Nero. Also available for questions. All right. Uh, what about Chris Johnson? Questions only. All right, Mr. Uh, Manager, do you want to speak to this? Um, you pulled it, sir. My recommendation would be that you approve it okay. quickly. All right. <laughs> Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Smeagle? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. And Mr. Alexander? Aye. C13? C-13, an ordinance granting conditional use permit to authorize a secondary, a secondary school on property located at 739 Yarmouth Street. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Dispense, dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Ms. Graves? And what was the issue with this again? Uh, Mr. Manager. I think, so. I think Mr. Durant checked the wrong box. He had, he had checked opponent. Okay. All right. Aye. Ms. Graves? Okay. Thank you. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Mr. Smeagol? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. And Mr. Alexander? Aye. Okay. All right, one. All right. R1, an ordinance approving a right of entry agreement permitting Colston Jones to go upon and use certain city-owned properties numbered and designated at 1351 and 1371 Hanson Avenue for multiple dates for a cyclocross competition event. Please call the roll. Dispense with the charter requirement for the reading of the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Um, aye, and I want to say thank you so very much. I look forward to this. Ms. McClellan? Uh, echoing it. So I went to this event two years ago, and it is wicked cool. And I have to tell you, if you have never seen a cyclocross, it's really fabulous and it, they take advantage of a really unique parcel of property in Norfolk and I uh, suggest folks come out and watch this Absolutely. Um, and it's all ages so uh, I yes I. Mr. Smeagol? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. And Mr. Alexander? Aye. R2. R2 an ordinance approving the 12th lease amendment between St. Paul Associates Limited Liability Limited Partnership as lessor and the city of Norfolk is lessee, by which the city renews its lease for the certain for those certain premises located in the St. Paul office building at 125 St. Paul's Boulevard, designated as Suite 200, and releases Suite 205 as part of the leased premises, authorizing the city manager to execute the amendment on behalf of the city of Norfolk, and authorizing the expenditure of a sum of up to $8,082.84 from funds heretofore appropriated to cover the rent payments for the remainder of the fiscal year 2018 to 2019. Mr. 
Clerk, please call the roll. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Smeagol? I apologize. Previously, there's, for some reason, the reading of this this time, there's more pauses in between the reading of them, so I got caught off guard. I apologize. Mr. Acting Clerk? You still have to say aye. Thank you, sir. Yeah, uh, aye. <laughs> Mr. Thomas? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. R3. R3, a resolution approving the exercise by the Norfolk Redevelopment and Housing Authority of powers conferred by the Virginia Housing Authority's law, Chapter 1, Title 36, of the Virginia Code of 1950, as amended in conjunction with the assurance of revenue bonds in the amount of up to $250 million, the proceeds of which will be loaned to the Fort Norfolk Retirement Community, Inc., the applicant, to assist the applicant in financing the expansion and renovation of Harbor's Edge Continuing Care Retirement Community, located at 1 Collie Avenue, Norfolk, Virginia, and financing certain related costs and reserves, and upon which the city shall not have any payment obligation. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Adopt the resolution. Ms. Doyle. Aye. Ms. Graves. Aye. Ms. Johnson. Aye. Ms. McClellan. Aye. Mr. Smeagol. Aye. Mr. Thomas. Aye. And Mr. Alexander. Aye. Mr. Clerk, do you have any additionals? Yes, we have an ordinance, R4, approving a right of entry agreement permitting the New Hope Church of God in Christ to go upon and use certain city-owned property numbered and designated as 616, 618, and 620 West 35th Street. Please call the roll. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Smeagol? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. And Mr. Alexander? Aye. Mr. Clerk, do you have any additional? I have two more. Yes, sir. R5, an ordinance granting an additional full day of holiday leave to all city employees on December 31st, 2018. Call the roll. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Graves? <laughs> you know, the work is hard for this so one. I know thank you Doug and thank you to staff and thank you to uh, council for um, supporting this as somebody who worked for the city for a very long time before becoming a council member I know how important time off is so thank you guys for supporting that and I vote aye Miss Doyle aye Miss Johnson congratulations <laughs> enjoy Miss McClellan is that an aye Oh, aye. <laughs> aye. Mr. Smeagol? Absolutely aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. And finally, we have a letter from the city attorney requesting the appointment of Mr. Andrew R. Fox. Ms. Kirk, please call the roll. Ms. Doyle? Aye. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Smeagol? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. And Mr. Alexander? Aye. Mr. Manager, do you have anything? I do not. Mr. Attorney, do you have anything? I do not. Before we transition into new business, I want to wish uh, Councilwoman Mamie Johnson a very, very happy birthday. <laughs> and because it's your birthday, you are excused from new business, and I'm going to ask uh, uh, that Councilwoman Andrew McClellan escort you to your car. <laughs> so both of you are excused. <laughs> You're excused. It's better than being sent to the principal's office. I'm right here. <laughs> 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 All right, we're going to transition to our new business. Uh, we have a group, uh, and I would call uh, the group at one time Chris Newkirk is going to come, along with uh, Terrence uh, Afra Anderson is going to come, along with uh, Jane Canton, uh, Michael uh, Candlewell, and Alan Reynolds. 
you can come as a group if you like. And if I've got anyone, please join them. Um, Chris Nykirk, 5336 Edgewater Drive, Norfolk. Good evening, Mayor Alexander, members of City Council, and Mr. Smith. I'm Chris Nykirk, Chair of the Norfolk Commission on the Arts and Humanities. We are here tonight to thank you for your support. The Commission administers a fair and open competitive grant program for nonprofits serving the citizens of Norfolk. These grants provide the seed money the organizations leverage into raising other funds through sponsorship, fees for service, and other grants. A grant from the Commission is a stamp of approval and a badge of artistic quality. Terrence Anderson, 1210 Colonial Avenue, apartment 1206. These programs grow the city's arts and cultural resources, encourage lifelong learning, and serve all segments of our community. These organizations reach deeply into every neighborhood in Norfolk. These are small to mid-sized organizations, not the majors, including the Academy of Music, the Atumpan Talking Drums, Bells Dumont, Bay Youth Orchestra, Boys Choir of Hampton Rose, the Art Center, Felburn Chamber Music Orchestra, Music Society, Generic Theater, Hermitage Museum, and Guardians and Stockley Gardens Art Festival. Good evening, my name is Jane Canton, uh, 825 Graden Avenue, Norfolk. The commission grants also support the Hurrah Players, I Sherman Green Chorale, Little Theater of Norfolk, Mosaic Steel Orchestra, Narrow Expanded uh, Video, Norfolk Chamber Concert, Park Place Child Life Center, Heart Strength Program at the Croc Center, Teens with a Purpose, the Muse Writer Center, Tidewater Outreach, Tidewater Classic Guitar Society, Todd Rosenlieb Dance, Virginia Children's <laughs> Chorus, Virginia Corral, WHRO, World Affairs Council, and Young Audiences of Virginia. Michael Candlewall, uh, 635 West Princess Anne Road. So these organizations put in $6,332,901 into the local economy. For every dollar invested in grants, $25.72 was returned. So please remember that when you invest $1, $25.72 is returned. Grant funds are used for in-school and after-school art programs, outreach programs in nursing homes and shelters, spoken word and writing programs for children, teens, and adults, concerts, theater, and dance, art exhibitions, and more. The organization has provided 356 full and, full, full and part-time jobs, and volunteers gave hours worth over $4 million. Alan Reynolds, 1344 Armistead Bridge Road, will be presenting you with some highlights of our donation totals and a package of a few letters showing the positive impact that these grants have had on the organizations and the people that they serve. As City Manager Smith wrote in his introduction to the budget, ultimately the budget, how we spend the people's money, is about helping people thrive in Norfolk, helping them have the best quality of life possible. The Norfolk Commission on the Arts and Humanities is glad to be able to contribute to Norfolk's outstanding quality of life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. That's where you do it. That should be a model for other groups. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Five, wow. five minutes, in three minutes. minutes. All right. Um, Ann Creasy. Hello. Um, nice to see you all this evening. Um, I am here to speak with you briefly about two things. Um, one is the Southside Connector project. 
Um, I am hoping to meet with y'all one-on-one, um, if possible, to talk more about um, what resources you might need or what your current stance is on the possibility of rescinding the easement. Um, I can't remember what media station covered it, but I did see the piece where um, you said that you felt your hands were tied about the situation. Um, and I think that we can work together um, and find resources so that you don't feel that way. Um, we have incomplete information about this project and we're working with unknowns around people's safety. Um, so I hope that we can work together to get the information that we need. Um, so um, I will follow up with each of you, hopefully, and we can talk about that one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I would also hope to talk to all of you about something called um, C-PACE. Mm -hmm. um, many of you are probably already familiar with it. It's um, a program called Commercial Property Assessed Clean Energy, um, and it's a financing mechanism um, that allows buildings to um, do energy efficiency upgrades, um, and they pay it off through their property tax. Um, so I am hoping to meet with all of you one-on-one -on -one because I think I may have found you a program administrator for CPACE. Um, the process goes that city council would initially pass an ordinance, um, and then after the ordinance is passed, y'all would have to tap a program administrator. Um, and the program administrator for Arlington, um, there is one program that's active in the state right now, and that's in Arlington. Um, Fredericksburg just passed their ordinance. They are also using um, the same program administrator as Arlington. Um, so this is an experienced person. They can stand up the program for you, and then it would only take a couple of hours of oversight from city staff a week, which is pretty minimal. Um, so be on the lookout um, from contact from me. I'm happy to talk with you about CPACE and also um, what we can do about the Southside Connector transmission line. Thank, Thank you. you. Kim Williams. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, my name is Kimberly Williams. I reside at 2616 <coughs> Bowdens Ferry Road in Norfolk. Um, I'm here tonight uh, as a mother and as a volunteer with the uh, group Mothers Out Front. We work, we work, and I'm here with my uh, co-volunteer, Ms. Linda Levy, also a Norfolk resident. We work for a livable future for all children. And I'm here to ask you dear council to reconsider your last year's easement vote allowing for city property to be used by Virginia Natural Gas for construction of the South Side Connector Pipeline. You were misled last year by Virginia Natural Gas in their failure to explain that the South Side Connector was not a distribution gas line but rather a much higher risk transmission gas line. When Kelowna's shipyard brought the reality of this pipeline to you after they were, went through the imminent domain, their do <coughs> imminent domain challenge and they learned the true, the true nature of this pipeline, you rightfully called for a pause in the south side connector construction and you hired safety experts to prepare for you a safety study. Unfortunately, after that study was published and after your last meeting uh, on this issue, one of the experts was disclosed in public media as having failed to mention to you that he had, was a former 
paid uh, expert for Virginia Natural Gas, a former paid employee. I feel that this is outrageous. I'm dissatisfied. I feel that my tax dollars have been ill-used to allow for this dangerous project on city property. I feel that my tax dollars have been ill-used for a sham safety study, that, and I am very dissatisfied that there is no genuine safety plan for this high-pressure pipeline that lies in very close proximity to schools, homes, places of worship, places of public entertainment. And I will be extremely dissatisfied if the worst happens. And we know that explosions do happen, and I am confident that the best practices were used in every incidence of a pipeline explosion. They, they always are. It's the unknown human error that leads to explosions. And that's exactly what Kelowna Shipyard's been talking about. So I'm asking you again, please reconsider last year's vote. This project needs a much longer pause, and we need real safety answers. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, Kuyana Baker. Good evening, mayors and members of council. Good evening. Um, my name is Kekwanda Baker, and my address is 151 Orleans Circle, Norfolk, Virginia, 23509. Um, I, well, first I want to reiterate um, my concerns about the Southside Connector along with Ann Creasy and Kim Williams. Um, I completely agree with every statement they made, and I also urge a revote of the previous easement that was passed. Um, the other matter that I came to speak about was amendment question number one that was uh, just voted on this past election. Uh, that was an amendment that would allow a property tax exemption from people who made improvements on recur recurrent flooding on their properties. I spoke with Senator Linwood Lewis yesterday afternoon, and he confirmed with me that if uh, if, improve, if people did uh, were able to get this tax exemption, then that would mean a definite loss of revenue for the city. Um, and so my concerns were, were how the city would make up for that revenue. And so I don't want to see that fall on citizens who don't live on a property that doesn't flood or citizens who can't make the improvement on their property. Um, so that was my concern about uh, amendment question number one, and I will follow up with you all about that um, as well. Thank you. Yeah, let me, before you go, that's mm -hmm. permissive. Um, we would have to uh, adopt a, a local ordinance um, and we have not even dis discussed uh, adopting that ordinance. Although uh, the constitutional amendment passed mm -hmm. uh, as a ballot uh, initiative, but it's permissive legislation, and okay. each locality uh, would have to may I ask elect to adopt or that type of ordinance. May I ask when the city would do that? Or it's is, not even, is we, we don't have it scheduled for hearing yet. Okay. Okay. Well, what, I, how would I find out about that? 
Um, see Morgan. Morgan, she's our legislative. Uh, I know Morgan. Morgan, okay, go see Morgan. Okay, okay thank, thank you. you. Frank Branch. Good evening, Frank Branch, Jr. 3561 Tennessee Avenue, Norfolk, Virginia, 23502. Uh, I appreciate this opportunity to speak to you, the members of the City Council, Mayor Lozana. I'm not going to be long. I'm here just to make a suggestion. The current fire chief will be retiring in a few months, and I just want to make a suggestion that if you hire from within the department, my suggestion is that you give Chief Sidney Carroll a great consideration. If you decide to hire from without the department, that you consider a person of color or a female. All the other departments have had the opportunity to hire either a person of color or a female. I thank you for this opportunity to speak on this matter. God bless. Thank you. Fern Taylor. Hi, I'm Sharon Taylor, 511 Sycamore Street, Norfolk, Virginia. I'm here to talk about our dispute, the 246-unit uh, apartment building going up on the giant open-air market property. We're about two of us are together, so I thought we were going to be up here together. But I sent you all a letter uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month, but I hadn't heard from anyone. But I'm going to read from the letter. <coughs> Excuse me. First of all, I'm disappointed and perplexed with the plan on the way to build a high-density 246 apartment unit. History shows that this is the same area that William Forbes in 1969 attempted to con convince the city to rezone to high-density and failed. Late in the mid-2000s, the Civic Compostela Heights Civic League petitioned the city to fight against the change to high-density, and we lost. <clears throat> the fact that this same property is currently zoned a high-density 246 apartment unit project is incomprehensible. This area can no more accommodate this rate of density than it could in 1969. No new roads have been built, nor has their land size increased or decreased. Yet the massive structure project that has was not approved by Civic League has been dumped on our doorsteps. What is Understandable to me is the soil was tested in 2015 and it was reported and revealed that it was dangerous chemicals were found on the soil, which classified the property for, for unfit for erecting residential structure. Please be clear that the Campsella Heights Civic League never approved this project. If there is to be a new development, we want it to be high quality and befitting the goals of our community. Our position is that this project falls short of the Southside strategy plan objective and ultimately would serve to severely, excuse me, 
diminish our property values in the Campus de la Heights community. My mother's been there for 50 years. And when she first moved there, we had a beachfront property. And two or three years later, someone dumped from, from the, um, I guess they're tearing down, Church Street, and we no longer have a waterfront community, which she, we had hoped would be in our family's uh, property and some place we could go and hand it down to the rest of our family. But right now, we don't have a view. We're getting ready to have this dumped in our, anyway. We're, I'm objecting, and we're objecting to the project. It seems like we're the um, we're the oldest community in the Norfolk area, and seems like everything is being dumped in that in our area. Um, thank you very anyway, much. Anyway, thank you. Okay, Lawrence Brown. Good evening, Good evening. Uh, Mayor, City Council, City Manager. My name is Lawrence Brown. I reside at 925 Waltham Street, Norfolk, Virginia. I'm here tonight on behalf of the Campus Stella Heights Civic League as the president to talk about what Ms. Taylor just talked about, the uh, giant open-air property. We understand that the giant open-air property was an adventure that the city took back in 2000. And 11. Some of you were on council. Uh, we didn't have the same city managers, uh, did not have the same council. But this was voted on by council and approved. But according to the new rules of the Planning Commission, they didn't have to go back and talk with the community about this project. Now, the project changed owners. Um, and what we're asking for is a sit down with Mr. Smith and our council representatives about this property because the community has not had an opportunity to meet with the builder, discuss some designing issues, discuss traffic studies, soil studies, uh, or anything about this property. And we understand that from the builder that there's pile driving, we want a commitment or understanding from the city who's going to pay for the property out there when you talk about soil density. There was a soil density study put in by the city and by the previous builder back in 2011, uh, which the builder then decided not to build this property for several reasons. But we're asking that we have an opportunity as a community to meet with council and the city manager and his staff and the builder about this property before 246 units go up on the south side. In a small community uh, filled with seniors, we want to know about the traffic density, we want to know about the soil density, and we think we've earned the right as a community to have that communication from the city and from the builder about this property. We understand that the property is being held up right now due to some sort of design which carries it back only for the design of the roof to the architectural uh, uh, committee, which is a part of the planning commission. So the only thing we've asked from both our two council representatives and council and the city manager, that we have an opportunity to sit down at the table and talk about it. And one of the other things is about the voucher system of the people that will be moving into the area. We have nothing against the voucher system. We just as a community want to understand 
when there's 246 units going up four stories. We want to know about storm runoff. We want to know about things like that. But we feel that this is a project that kind of slipped through the cracks from both on the community side and the city side because we have no Thank you, communication. Thank you, Ms. Graves. Thank you. Can I, um, I just want yes, to say Yes, ma'am, Ms. Graves. Um, first of all, um, I've had some conversation in passing but no one has called me requesting a meeting or emailed me requesting a meeting about this. So I'm happy to meet with you. Okay. But what I can tell you is that I lived through all of the meetings in 2011 that um, took this property from whatever it was zoned, I think it was commercial or yes, whatever it was, to um, residential. And at the time, specifically did support it. And I believe we have those letters of support on on file, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if I'm not, if my memory serves me correctly, I believe that at the time that project was supported. There were several meetings that were had with the Civic League. There was significant input as to the overall project, which is how I believe the um, standards, if you will, that are set right now were um, that that's where they came from. And so when the zoning was changed, it was based on input from the community at the time the zoning was changed. And this particular situation with regard to the zoning, um, once there's not a sunset, if you will, on zoning. So it's not like it's commercial, it's zoned for residential, and then if it's not used for residential, then it automatically goes back to, um, you know, automatically right. goes back to commercial. So unless the <coughs> landowner consents to a new zoning change, then it's whatever the current zoning is, or at this point the change zoning is, it stays. But I remember I personally attended quite a few meetings with the community and with the developer and going back and forth over things. And that's how some of these design standards um, were were put into play. And so I'm happy to meet with anybody about it. I'm, I'm more than happy um, to, to meet with you and to facilitate a meeting with the builder so that you all can understand completely what it is that's required based on the current zoning standards and any delineation that's allowed based on the current zoning standards. But I haven't had anybody request a meeting with me okay. that I can put and, hands on. Yes, ma'am. And I respect that, Ms. <laughs> Graves. All we're asking is, just as I said up front, mm -hmm. council that sits presently now did not vote on that. The present Civic League executive board that sits currently did not vote on that. And I do understand that you're absolutely correct. You did meet with the old Civic League. You met with members of council uh, and the builder chain. That's yep. the big one of the biggest issues that the builder has changed. Correct. And there are some new uh, designs and things that the new builder has brought in. Do the builder would not have to go back to the board to meet sometime yeah, they in the year. They have to meet some of the new so, design, right. design so, standards. So yeah. again, the community yeah. is asking a sit down okay. with okay. the city, with the council to discuss okay. the matter. We'll make it we'll happen. Make it happen. Yeah. Okay. Yep, we'll definitely make it happen. And I'll be, I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, but going back to 2011, I do remember that there's, there was extensive conversation about that. 
but just looking now, I know we recently approved another apartment complex, and one of the concerns I brought out was the saturation of, um, particularly with the, the school, uh, Campostella there, right. and impact. And I, I'm wondering if any of that was considered when we voted on that recently, because you said there's this is uh, vouchers, right? Um, and some of it, some of it, some so, of it right. not all of it. Yeah, but you're right. None of the, two, the in 2011, I don't believe that a major factor was impact on schools. And that's my concern is is that the we might need to have a conversation with the school board about this and the district because um, Campostella uh, K eight school it has a zone district now in that community. And the this high density apartment plus the one that we just approved is adding um, additional uh, young folks in there that I don't believe that that school can handle any additional capacity um, at this point. And particularly, it goes against what the community has asked for to happen um, at Campus LK8. So I I don't want to say that we're going to come back and vote on it, but there needs to be some bigger conversations now if this is coming back. Um, eight years, you know, later about the impact that this is going to have on the overall community and having those uh, additional conversations with the school um, system about that impact because you're going to put a school uh, over capacity possibly right. with that um, new, yeah, I mean, possibly. possibly. We don't, possibly. I mean, there's again, estimations on, of how many students are in there, um, but they're, they're going to need to know that. And I don't right. know, Courtney, I'm assuming, because you were recently on the school board, that that exactly. probably wasn't discussed either. That apartment wasn't in anybody's... And I wasn't even on the school board in 11. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so we'll, we'll, um, um, Councilwoman Graves and Mr. Riddick, who chairs uh, the Southside Task Force, we will try to... Yeah. Um, and one of the things, too, is I, I will also say this. Um, I, it, I wouldn't classify it necessarily as falling through the cracks. It was not required okay. to come back. And that that's just, you know, it's kind of like if the Hardy's closed. Right. You know, and then a Wendy's wanted to come in there. Sorry, it's still it's already zoned for a restaurant. And so it's just a matter of whether right. or not it's a Hardy's or a Wendy's or whatever it is. And that wouldn't come back before the community either. Um, and so I I I understand, but I do understand your concern about it and the desire of the community yeah. right. to want to know what's going on. So we can definitely get something scheduled so that we can sit, you know, right. so that we can talk to the um, Civic League in Campusella Heights and let you guys know with the builder and let you know what's that, going on. That'll be great. And again, we're just asking for a voice at the table and a seat at the table. All right. right. Thank you. Okay. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Jill uh, Buck. Jill. Yes, come right on. Hi, good evening. Good evening. My name is Jill Varga. I'm at 2116 Wheeling Avenue in Norfolk. I'm also speaking in reference to the Big Lot area. Um, my topic this evening was more towards the traffic. Now we had one of the um, our last Campostella Heights meeting. Um, one of the traffic managers came and spoke about the area, and we had questions for him. And um, to the best of my knowledge, I believe he was stating that there hadn't been any new traffic study that's been going on there. And based that, you know, we have um, by the old Ford plant, there's lots of new activity back there, tractor trailers, um, you know, everybody, um, you know, condensing on Indian River. 
using Campus Stella to cut through, um, you know, five between five and seven night and morning, um, up over the Campus Stella Bridge is just jam packed, and so we just want to bring that to your attention that we really do think we need to get another traffic study there. Um, a lot of the um, walking pedestrian uh, type, you know, crossings across the street are very very faded. Um, some of the roads, in fact, on my way here tonight, I was observing that one more time. It's that you can go to the lights and, um, you know, the roads themselves are good, but any of the crossings, excuse me, um, are not very, very light. And it's a really, and if you have a 246 complex that's going across there, they're trying to cross like by Hardy's there. That is like a traffic nightmare. So we're trying to, we would like to have this come, but we would like to have some more input as our community is, you know, being uh, subjected to a lot of different things that are happening and we have like you said from years ago from 2011 there's a lot of newer people that are in the neighborhood and a lot more people just in general in that area along with all the tractor trailers so um, that's that's my thoughts for the traffic this evening thank you thank you um yes Doug, is there is there the I, I i think i know the answer um and i think the answer is no but tell me if i'm wrong um, if a property is already zoned, a, a traffic study would have already been done? It wouldn't be a new one to do. But I, I think what I'm hearing from the community is it's uh, been a long time since the project got approved, and so we got questions about construction and traffic right. and all that. So I think the best thing we can all do is just get in the room and, and right. the nine minutes in the whole time. I just want to make sure, but I want to yeah, understand that. I want to make sure that I understand the logistics. Okay. Yeah, I get what you're saying, and I totally get that. I just want to understand that if it's already zoned for something, that there would not be a new traffic study done if the same something that it's zoned for is going there. Okay. That's correct, that the statute that requires it requires it upon a zoning of increasing density. Okay. So that... If it, and that was in effect in 2011, okay. and it didn't change. And so if it was required, it okay. would have been done in 2011. Okay, so what we need to do then is just look at what the traffic study says that was done in 2011 and make sure that those, that those standards are still going to work with as it, eight years later, uh, yes, seven yeah, years later. That's the idea. Yeah, okay. We have an opportunity to sit down with everybody okay. and look at the studies and look to see how this is going okay. to affect the community because okay. there have been changes. So. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Janice McKee, did you want to come at this time? Yes, I did. All right. Because 11 years ago, I was around. I know you were. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, Council. I'm coming. All right. Miss sure. um, Wade, you're absolutely correct. 11 years ago, a study was done. The world in the Heights has now changed. They've torn down houses, added more houses. You have um, the school. You're absolutely correct, because that was my project. I can tell you that they did not add into that plan mm -hmm. all those children that are at the school. Matter of fact, what they're actually doing is shifting children around to move some of those children somewhere else so that they won't feed into that school. Even though they're going to tear units down in Oak Leak and Town, it's not going to fit. In Campostella, we're getting ready to build Wilson Road. It's going to be even more tighter in there. We don't have enough space for even the children. Um, the, the plan was in place, but they had no idea 
the campus stall was getting ready to look like what it's getting ready to look like. It was a quiet little place. It's almost like a miniature New York in a minute. I'm, I can tell you that now. Um, I've been really, 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 really studying this thing. I said, okay, like, where is everybody going to go? We shift some children out of Berkeley. We have not shifted any children out of Campus Stella. Matter of fact, we brought children back from Lake Teller Middle School and put them in Campus Stella. So the question becomes, will we overpopulate a place where we have nowhere to serve children? That's the catch. And with the new coming in, those units are two and three bedroom units, which you know are preparing us for more children. Where are we gonna put those children at? Um, the lanes, the way it's set up. Grant you, you don't have to do the study again, but the intensity of traffic, the amount of children and grown-ups having to, adults that have to cross the highways, you better do a study, your city gonna get sued. You better, some things you can't play with. And I'd rather be safe than sorry. I work really, really hard in the Southside Task Force. We work really, really hard as a team to make sure as a community that we service everybody as they need to be. Not only that, my bigger concern is that we want to teach our children that we grown-ups know how to get along. And so with that being said, please look at the whole thing. Grant you was cute then because we didn't have the population. But I can tell you that the population is getting ready to double. Have a great one. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Danny Lee Ginn. <laughs> My name is Danny Lee Ginn. I reside at 3844 Dare Circle. The last time I walked to this podium, if you recall, I was discussing uh, an issue concerning the mayor of this city, uh, concerning uh, Section 5, uh, Part D, uh, of his rules of conduct, uh, which in turn enabled him the power to shut down any discussion of any uh, representative or citizen who walked to this podium. Uh, I still haven't heard back from the mayor. He was very nice, as I pointed out, and very generous with his time and meeting in his office. Uh, when we concluded, I didn't really have a chance to go uh, into uh, my concerns at the time, I told him I only had one question, and he was rather surprised. He said, only one question, Danny? I said, yes. Why is this part of your administration? Uh, as I pointed out, uh, it's a section uh, that cannot be enforced legally, constitutionally, or even morally. And again, uh, I'm still waiting for an answer. Uh, whether I'll get one or not, I doubt. Uh, he seems to have joined in with everybody else. Uh, he will stare very intently, uh, he will thank you for coming, and then he will remain silent. Uh, this seems to be the game that's been played for not only months, but years at a time. But the question still is there. Why is this part of your administration? Why is this part of your rules? Uh, you have the power to say, uh, I do not want this uh, as part. Uh, you had the courage when you first came in here to say, I'm going to keep this camera on so we can see what goes on during the council meeting all the way through when it used to be cut off. The question is, why are you still holding on to this section, uh, which uh, can easily be eliminated, but uh, seems to uh, be an issue uh, of you trying to maintain power 
uh, I guess to uh, intimidate other citizens. It certainly doesn't intimidate me when it was attempted to be used against me, but other citizens are not as well informed. So I would again uh, call on you to eliminate that section uh, of your uh, code of conduct uh, so that we can all feel free and comfortable to come in here and present our views. Thank you for coming. Marina Gainville. Good evening. My name is Marina Glanville. Um, I reside at 4615 Pleasant Avenue. Um, today I've come in front of you tonight to speak about um, improvements, you, a zoning change off of Curlew Drive. Um, here on Curlew Drive, you are now introducing a high density, as you put it, at, for a 236 unit development here. Um, we in the neighborhood feel that it would be more fitting to a quiet neighborhood for the road to grandma's be by train. By, you know, having the youth ride the train to go visit grandma, um, you'll be also training the youth to use the train so that way in the future the train will be used. I just left Calvary Revival prior to being here. This is about the Beacons Project. I see some confusion. The Beacons Project, you want to bring some subsidized. It's not come to us yet. It's coming to zoning. Coming to zoning. Yeah, yeah we don't have It's not come to us yet. It's coming to zoning. It hasn't even gone to planning yet. Very well. Okay, good. Well, um, we've talked with them. I just came from there, so just to keep us in, because this is in the future, I understand. They just came back from Calvary Reviver. The builder was there, and um, a lot of the complaints were similar to what's happening in Campostella. Um, we believe that since this has never been zoned um, residential, and I know that because my grandfather actually developed there, where Beacons is, used to be Tidewater Steel, um, and as a commercial owner, we know that there has to be a corridor study involved. Um, this is by the train, and I know we want to increase train traffic. But who else would benefit from the train than the elderly? Um, as you know, a lot of the elderly no longer drive, and a short shuttle ride to the train would be very accessible. Um, on a life or death matter, right around the corner, Norfolk's, one of Norfolk's number one hospitals, Sintera Lee Hospital, would be is right around the corner if there's any emergency for the elderly it would be very easy to get them to the hospital if they were to need that so that's an important thing I wanted to bring up um, and I'll be back um, after the public hearing to speak about this again to kind of reiterate what I said tonight watch for it on the planning docket if you have an objection or a suggestion to it my my suggestion to you is to <coughs> send it to um, the Planning Commission mm -hmm. or send it to George's back in planning right you can send it to George Homewood so that it can be included in the file when the mm -hmm. Planning Commission actually votes on it because they have to vote on it before we even see it so mm -hmm. send your objections or and or suggestions mm -hmm. um, to the Planning Commission so that they can be included in that file and that all of the Planning Commissioners can see what your you know what your objections or what your suggestions are for improvement very well Thank it's you. on. Thank it's you. on their agenda this Thursday. Okay. I'll be there. Okay. And George is back there. Raise your hand, George. There's George. Yeah. George. There's George. Thank you. All right. Ellis W. James. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Members of the council, few in number, but excellent people. <laughs> And my favorite city manager, Doug Smith. 
My name is Ellis W. James. I reside at 2021 Ken Lake Place here in the city of Norfolk. You would think that when the onset of winter begins, that we would have some peace and quiet on some things. The current administration has decided to facilitate seismic testing offshore to facilitate and help facilitate offshore drilling. I don't guess they got the memo. There are communities, city councils, chambers of commerce, all up and down the East Coast who are opposed to this. I wonder what they missed. Seismic testing for a number of reasons that I'm sure each of you are aware of is a threat to the endangered species, the right whale. Seismic testing is dangerous for dolphins and other whales. And it is something that is a threat to the economy of a community like this. Not only the city of Norfolk, but also the Hampton Roads area with all of its many 17 representative counties, cities, and small towns. I would urge the city council to pay close attention to this and to come out in opposition to the seismic testing, which is not going to do anything other than endanger the life of species. The right whale, by the way, if you're not aware, is down to the last 400. Thank you so much, Mr. James. Okay, thank you, Mr. Mayor. You're welcome, sir. James Jarman. Uh, good afternoon, good afternoon. Uh, Mayor, Council people. Um, I'm Uh, I come tonight to remind uh, council that Christmas is nearing and I came to do something for the South Side. Uh, I became involved with the South Side uh, approximately two years ago and uh, I can't find it in my heart to turn my back on those people. Um, so what I have done is I remember that there's a library 
in the South Side, named after Horace Downing, who happens to be a mentor that snatched me out of a line and caused me to be a summer youth employee for the city many years ago. He also uh, mentored me out of a criminal record uh, and uh, mentored me into being a citizen, a productive citizen. So rather than complain about kids that wear saggy clothes and come to school ungroomed and uh, like some of the manners and disciplines that many of us are afforded because they like the examples. What I have decided to do is supply bicycles uh, to initiate a behavioral change in some of the kids. Uh, they will win a bicycle for following the school rules. They will win a bicycle for not sagging, wearing the school uniforms, and being groomed. I will do that and provide the bicycles for Richard Bowling, or Southside, and again, after Christmas, I will focus on the South Side because a lot of those kids are underprivileged and will not receive these things no other way. Hopefully, some of those kids will show up at the X Games with some of these bicycles and make something out of their life and make the city proud. Horse down and pluck me from a line and cause me to have a good life. I don't have a legal obligation, but I certainly do have a, a moral obligation to pluck some kids out of line and help them. So I'm gonna put my time and my money where my mouth is. And I hope that it inspires somebody in this room and many of you to do the same. I realize that many of you, your resources dwarf mine. I'm a single parent and I'm doing this from my heart, and I hope you find it in your heart to do the same. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, how much is a bicycle? How much is a bicycle? Uh, my son has something to say quickly. This bicycle. Someone that's been doing good in school. Okay, how much does it cost to buy one? I bought them for, uh, this particular one is $80. I'm working on a, what I call Wally World, Walmart, to get them to sell me the bicycle so I can buy 40 or 50 of them because I will be able to bless more people like that. I'm doing that through my church. I was hoping they got back to me with a concrete answer today, but it does not matter to me whether they do or not. Jarman will ensure that them bicycles are at that school at the three schools. Okay, you say $80. Okay, so if, if the bicycles don't come to more than $100 a piece, I'll do two. Thank so it's $200. Yes. Those are two bicycles. This two. particular bicycle, leave it there. So. I don't know. I don't have kids. I don't know what bicycles cost. Mr. Jarman, thank, <laughs> thank you very much for coming, and also thank yeah. you for your continued support of our youth and our schools in Norfolk, okay? That bicycle is for council to pick somebody. Thank you so much. <laughs> you are all right, Paul Davis. Uh, 
Good evening, gentlemen, ladies. Uh, came to speak. As you know, I've been here a couple of times before. We had an ongoing violation of my father's constitutional rights. You know, the Constitution is something that's not to be touched. My grandfather, a couple of greats in front of that, was on the committee to write the Constitution. That was John Adams, the second president of the United States, signer of the Declaration. You know, I'm proud to be from Norfolk, Virginia. I was born in Norfolk General, went to Norfolk Christian, and proud of the state of Virginia. Not anymore. This city, this state, has broke my heart. Literally broke my heart. They violated my father's constitutional rights, the 5th and the 14th, by taking his land under Lucas v. South Carolina Coastal Council. It's a shame that a project, any project, regardless of what that project is, would defend and damage the Constitution. It's unfortunate. We as a family don't see any other way to proceed. I'm here to just suggest that everybody in this room get counsel. You're going to need it. You're going to be charged with after the accessory after the fact for a federal crime. Uh, we're taking this to federal court. We're not going to settle, okay? You're going to go to jail. Five years is everybody's looking at. And if you laugh if you want to, but ask Anthony Burfoot how it feels. Have a nice night, folks. You do the same. Thank you for coming. Nicole Gotze, followed by Ronald Gotze. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Um, my issue I'm addressing for this evening is about dealing with the Norfolk Public School um, transportation for the children and uh, the fact that it's becoming a safety issue. We have, uh, well, we have seven children. Um, and we have children, of course, that are in the school system. And we have three parents here that are representing that have children that are in the schooling system. And I know one of the, they didn't make it in time to speak, but Shakira, she's here. And um, she's one of the main ones that has been voicing and in contact with mainly um, the Norfolk Assistant State Director Pupil Transportation um, by the name of Kenny Miller. And she's been contacting him, trying to get the radius of the buses changed. It's becoming a safety issue. I'm not sure if you're aware of the issue of the young man that was attacked um, walking home from school, from Ruffner School. Um, it was on Channel 10 News on November the 14th. And I know that the four, the five young men that um, attacked him were all accosted and charged. But within that radius, he was within a mile and a half. So I know that a lot of people have gotten together to petition and tried to change that mileage with a lot of the children in the area, just because it is becoming a safety hazard. And not with just that one child, but I've been talking to a lot of different parents within the last week, um, different schools within the Norfolk area. And it's becoming, again, like I said, a safety issue. I know um, one of my friend's granddaughters, she has to walk from Military Highway to Norview High School. And it's a mile and a half. And at this time of the year, 
in the morning, it's dark. She's in the 10th grade. And that's a, that's a walk for a 10th grade student, female, to have to walk at that time by herself. Um, I know you can, public transportation is available, but she's checked that, researched all of that, and it's not available at that time of the morning. The hours, buses are running late, they're not on time. So um, I know it's been brought to you all's attention different times um, by different people, different ways, but it's, I think it's a very important issue that needs, that needs to be addressed because of the safety of our children. Um, another issue that we do have that we address in the neighborhood that we stay in, um, we live in um, 33330 Argonne Avenue, and the children at the bus stop in the morning, I know twice that I know of, um, they have had issues with drug usage um, fights early in the morning. That's your time. Sir, you have three minutes. So my wife's concerns, I'm gonna follow up from her. It's just to say that our youth, um, when she was she was trying to say about the, the corner where there's a lot going on at the bus stop. Um, having some, who, what's being done, what's being done in reference to um, monitoring these areas for safety for the youth at these locations. Uh, the bus, I don't know what the bus, um, the bus driver with the with the North Public Schools bus department, you know what they're doing. We're just more concerned about safety for the overall. There's no security. There's no authority. And yeah, yeah, yeah right. That, and that's what we're concerned about because we I got daughters, and um, I don't want my daughter to get snatched up early in the morning because she's walking to school and it's dark. Um, I, and my son, you know, um, I don't want it to happen to you know any of my children. So that's our concern. We we standing here in the gap for just about. A lot, a lot of parents. Uh, we had these conversations quite often, but what is being done, uh, what can be done, and we're asking y'all to, you know, kind of um, look at that situation because I know I mean, a lot of people got children, and if something happened to them, then, you know, that's going to be a hurtful thing for everyone, not just one per, not just the parent itself, one family. Thank you both for coming. Thank you. Have y'all been to the school? Yeah, just I wanted to say we totally understand and respect but unfortunately, the school board um, is responsible for those walk zones, not the city council. Okay. We can't, that's a policy within their organization. We can facilitate conversations with them, mm -hmm. but ultimately they're the ones that have to vote on changing that. And there is a mile radius for elementary, middle, and high right. school. Um, as far as discipline at the bus stop, um, school system has jurisdiction over the disciplining of a student from when they step foot out of the building, uh, of their, excuse me, their house, till they go back in. So if there's a particular bus stop in which students are doing something they're not supposed to, the school technically can discipline students based off of that. And so the school can be alerted um, of what's happening there and asked to look into that and investigate it. And if there's found that there's issues happening, they can get the law enforcement involved, but also those students can be held accountable for that. A lot of people don't know that, um, but the, the school building itself, the principal, the administration is responsible for assisting with that. So one is documenting it, calling the police. If you see illegal activity, you've got to call the police, but two, also alerting the school and letting them know that there's illegal activity happening at the bus stop so that they can get involved in it as well okay. um, and they can assist with it. But all of our school board members are now elected 
So they report directly to you um, and you should reach out to them. And I'm sure somebody here can help you connect with whoever your um, school board representative is so that you can facilitate. And I know some school board members have talked about it on mm -hmm. Facebook. I've seen them mm -hmm. doing that and they're getting ready to look at um, changing the hours for busing anyway. So that might be part of that conversation period. Do they have meetings like this too? Yes. They do. Okay. Yes. okay. Um, and you all, are, you said you're on Argonne Avenue? Yes. Okay, so that's Ward 3. That's Carlos Clanton mm -hmm. is your immediate ward. And, and then Rodney Jordan is the super ward. Um, and I'm sure somebody here can get you contact. James can get you, James in the back, can get you contact information for both of them. Yeah. They you are your, rep yeah. yep, yeah. they're yeah. your immediate representatives on the school board. All right, okay. thank you. Thank you, yep. thank you so good much. Evening. You're welcome. Uh, Billy Tyndall. Hi, how y'all doing? My name is Billy Tyndall. I live on Azalea Garden Road in Norfolk, Virginia. I grew up on a farm in Iowa. I then joined the Navy where I served in Korea and Vietnam. I was in the Navy for 20 years. You cannot imagine how Vietnam War affected me. I've never been the same. I remained in Virginia and met Annette Stone. That's why I'm here to thank her on her behalf because her mother is sick. She had a vision for the future. She wanted to help the gay community by opening a lesbian bar in Norfolk. I am not gay. I believe Annette is the first gay person I ever met. So you can imagine it was hard for me to understand why anyone needed help. I soon realized how many kids were suffering in silence. I have now proudly served the LGBT community for 35 years. I've been blessed and I'm honored to call them my extended family. This year I've been fighting cancer. It has been a tough emotional and financial burden on Annette and I. I am 80 year old Vietnam veteran and thus far cancer survivor. I love and miss the Hershey bar more than you can imagine. The past seven months and especially the last 40 days have been very hard on me personally. On behalf of the Hershey Bar, Annette Stone, and the community, I wanted to humbly thank you for your generous offer financially to help lo relocate the Hershey Bar. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Uh, Samantha, again. My name is Samantha McGinn. I'm a resident of Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, I'm here tonight to speak on behalf of, uh, on behalf of the Hershey Bar. <clears throat> First time I stepped into Hershey Bar, I was 18 years old, trying to find a place where I belonged. I continued to frequent the bar on and off for, the, for a few years after that. And then in June of 2014, my girlfriend and I were approached by Annette Stone to do some promotions and themed events throughout the rest of, the, of that year. What had originally started out as a short-term stint at the Hershey Bar turned out, to be, turned out to be the start of a lifetime of memories inside of those walls. The Hershey Bar has hosted several wedding ceremonies, receptions of both weddings and funerals. We as a community have lived there, we have mourned there, and we have raised tens of thousands of dollars for our local community and donated to our families of our lost family members. When the Orlando Pulse shooting happened, Annette and Billy graciously held fundraisers at all three of their establishments and embraced each and every saddened soul. The Hershey Bar has been a safe space for every single member of the LGBTQ community that has stepped across that threshold for the last 35 years. 
whether it was a teen who was kicked out of their home for any number of reasons, or someone that didn't have a meal to eat, or people whose families just had, had abandoned them. They prepared thousands of meals for the community at no cost to them. On any given holiday, the Hershey Bar has hot food for their guests to, to, that come through, ensuring that everyone has a home-cooked holiday meal to enjoy. Hershey Bar created love out of hate and has stood since March 7th, 1983, and has since closed as of October 31st, 2018. Those walls have seen more stories, secrets, smiles, and tears than anything will, most anything will see in its lifetime. On June 26, 2015, gay marriage got legalized across the, 50, across the United States. It was also Pride Weekend in Hampton Roads that same day. Excuse me. And as a drag performer, I chose the song Same Love by Macklemore to perform that night at Hershey Bar. And in front of a packed out event on one of the biggest historical wins for our community, every person in that bar sung that song as tears of joy and triumph rolled down their faces. Closing down Hershey Bar is taking a piece of us with it. I visited the Norfolk City Council website this week, and I read something on the main page that I would like to share at this time. Norfolk is a physically attractive, socially supportive, and financially sound city. Here, the sense of community is strong. The sense of community exists citywide. This was taken directly from the vision statement on the main page. If Norfolk is such a place of community, does displacing a historic establishment such as the Hershey Bar not meet these standards? As I stand here today, please rethink the decision at hand and please help our family relocate if at all possible. I thank you. Thank you. Cure it kindly. Hi, City Council. My name is Kira Kinley. I live at 1715 West 48th Street. <clears throat> I'm getting over a cold, so you'll have to excuse my voice. <clears throat> In the last few weeks, when news broke about Scott Phillips Gartner, the former member of the Norfolk Fire Rescue, forced into early retirement following job harassment after marrying his husband in 2014, do you know what response I saw from the LGBT community of Norfolk? A complete lack of shock. No one was surprised to hear that Phillips Gartner's nine grievances filed to address this sexual orientation-based discrimination, some filed against the city of Norfolk itself, went unheard. Of course this happened in Norfolk. Of course this city is where this happened. This city that moved forward on destroying the oldest lesbian bar in Virginia after months of listening to us plead for a change of heart. I am grateful um, now that we know that you guys have provided assistance in us moving because uh, Billy's um, speech earlier today. But beyond that, you haven't really done anything to demonstrate you're actually listening to us, that you really care about the LGBT community of Norfolk, beyond providing lip service to the idea of an inclusive Norfolk community. I've only ever read about one of your members working on the Human Rights Commission and LGBT liaison that we've been asking for, while two members of City Council sit on the Greater Norview Neighborhood Task Force that brought us the Green Space slash Dog Park development plan for the block of Sewell's Point that used to house the Hershey Bar. It's telling to me that we asked to know what the plan was for Hershey Bar, and members of the Hershey Action Coalition asked to be brought to the table and assist in the development of this area, and we were told that your hands were tied, all while two of you were chairing the very task force that we were trying to communicate with, and are still chairing that task force, acting, and I'm quoting the City Council website here, as a liaison on the behalf of City Council. 
we do see the ways you've intentionally or unintentionally silenced the LGBT community in this matter. If it's unintentional, do better. You owe us at least that much after how, um, after how often we've heard the refrain of we didn't know from you regarding Hershey's sale and forced closure. To that end, I'm still willing to provide the training that I offered back in October, and I'll be in contact with your offices as we get closer to winter break when I'm done with my finals and I actually have free time. If it is intentional, well, we know when you guys are getting reelected. I hope it doesn't come to that. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Robin Love. Good evening, City Council. Good evening. Um, my name is Robin Love. I live in the Roland Park neighborhood of Norfolk, and I'm here tonight with the Hershey Action Coalition. And as we know, Hershey Bar was forced out of the building at Sewell's Point Road 11 days ago. Did you really just roll your eyes? I mean, seriously. We're coming up here respectively, respectfully talking to people, and it's so offensive. Um, at any rate, we may not have change your minds about how to approach um, the, the Cooper's um, sale of the property and how to redevelop it. But our endeavor to save Hershey Bar was not just about Hershey Bar. It has always been about how Norfolk treats its LGBTQ citizens and about our efforts to save our history because no one else will do it for us. And you may have seen in the Virginia pilot that the human rights campaign earlier this year um, published a municipal equality index, a, a nationwide evaluation of municipal law. The human rights campaign, for those of you who may not know, is the nation's largest LGBTQ civil rights organization. And for seven years, they've been publishing this equality index. And um, they rank cities. They evaluated 506 cities across the nation, small, medium, and large, um, for um, their treatment of their LGBTQ citizens and the environment that they provide for, for that community. 78 cities across the nation earned a perfect score. Um, one of those in the Deep South, Birmingham, Alabama, something for us to, to, to look up to. Um, and over half the cities scored over a 58 out of 100. Norfolk, as none of us are surprised, scored a 43. 43 out of 100. And I'd like to um, give you the scorecard so that you can see what these rankings are based on. And um, to give you an idea, through Virginia, um, Richmond scored a 94, our capital city scored a 94, Arlington County a 92, and Virginia Beach surpassed Norfolk with a score of 50. Um, it is obvious, and we've stated this before, I've stated it to you, that it is, that the city of Norfolk really needs to consider appointing an LGBTQ advisory board to, to advise you all on issues of LGBTQ matters. Beyond the important issues of fairness and equality 
lies an additional reason for cities to take matters of equality seriously. It is good business. Cities are constant competition for resident, or they are in constant competition for residents, businesses, and employees, and inclusiveness is an important factor that attracts all three. A growing body of research has shown that cities have that, that have is, vibrant gay and lesbian communities and attract expired. higher levels of income. Thank you very much. Cities can only grow by supporting their LGBTQ citizens. Thank you. Carter Simmons. My name is Carter Quinn Simmons, and I'm going to talk to you all about cowardice. First, however, I'd like to spread a little bit of holiday cheer. If I could ask you to hand this to me, please. Um, I have made you all holiday gifts. If you cannot accept them, I'd at least like you to pass them around and take a look. Whew. I'm going to start. Well, I already passed those around. By picking up where we left off last time I was here, I asked if the safety of our LGBT community is really worth less to you than a dog park. I'd like an answer. I'd really, really appreciate one. I think we all would. Is Norfolk City inclusive? Should there be an asterisk on that painting downstairs that suggests that this is an inclusive city? Should there be a plaque next to it reading, unless you're gay? Who's next? Anybody going to answer me? That brings me to cowardice. Your refusal to either come out and tell us that, look, you don't care about our citizens, our community, or your refusal to at least, at least, make yourselves available for meetings with us. It's cowardice. Pick a side, either tell us you hate us or tell us that we actually have a place here. Refusing to do either is, again, cowardice. And uh, I'd like to see that bag be passed, if you don't mind. Sorry. Um, I would like each and every one of you to see what I've made for you. They're actually kind of cute. Um, you have nothing to say here? You know, this is supposed to be a dialogue, from what I understand. A response would be nice. Right. Cowardice. Thank you. Thank you. Kathleen Casey. Good evening. Good evening. I'm an associate professor of history and gender studies at Virginia Wesleyan University. I've been here before. 
uh, on behalf of the Hershey Action Coalition, and I wanted to reiterate some of the things that Robin Love mentioned about the Human Rights Campaign's recent Municipal Equality Index report. Um, the HRC has been studying rates of LGBTQ inclusion in municipal law, policy, and services in cities across the country for the last seven years. Uh, they use the following five categories as their criteria, non-discrimination laws, municipality as employer, municipal services, law enforcement, and leadership on LGBTQ equality. Uh, as Robin mentioned, 78 cities had perfect scores of 100 points, and uh, the number of cities getting perfect scores has actually increased sevenfold since the studies began. Uh, according to HRC President Chad Griffin, forward-looking leaders across the U.S. are stepping up. Unfortunately, this is not the case either in Norfolk or southeastern Virginia in general. As the Virginia pilot recently reported, of the five cities ranked in the Hampton Roads region, all five rank below average. The national city score average was 58 points, and as Robin mentioned, Norfolk scored 43. Our 2018 score is actually four points lower than our score was last year of 47. It's actually six points lower than our score in 2016 of 49. In 2015, our score was 57. And in 2014, our score was 59. We have decreased over the last four years by 16 points steadily and consistently each year. We receive zero points for failing to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity in areas of employment, housing, and public accommodations. We receive zero points for failing to ensure that LGBTQ constituents are included in city services and programs. One piece of good news, as a city, we did receive 22 out of, of possible 22 points for, in part, having an LGBTQ police liaison. The Hershey Action Coalition has been asking you to put together such a task force or advisory council we've offered to serve on it as well, uh, so that the city of Norfolk never finds itself again in the position of closing and demolishing an important LGBTQ historic site and garnering a lot of very negative publicity for the city. And based on the criteria, one can assume that establishing an LGBTQ advisory council would have the added benefit of raising our abysmal score on next year's report. In her article in the Virginia Pilot, reporter Amy Poulter wrote that of the 11 cities included in the report, only Dr. one Casey, scored lower than southeastern Virginia. Um, Dr. Casey, can you spin? Mr. Smigel would like to ask you a yeah. question. Or say and just something. to correct you, we normally don't do dialogue during this time. And we choose to speak. And I do want to address this because this was shared with me on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And uh, Councilwoman McClellan and I reviewed some of this. And there are some flaws in this um, that I think the city could probably dispute some of the changing of the rankings because laws and rules haven't changed with non-discriminatory practices such as hiring, but for some reason they're not ranked and it could be they couldn't find it on a website or something. But I know that there's a couple of us that are very interested in looking at increasing the score um, and including trying to get a human rights commission in the city of Norfolk. We're gonna continue working on that. But there is some flaws in that and there's also some state law things that Virginia doesn't allow to do. So I'm actually surprised even by Richmond having such a higher score and, and how that was, I'm not saying the whole system is flawed and how they do it, but I think there's some scoring issues in there 
um, with that. But there are a couple of us that are going to take this on and try to look and see where those improvements can be made. Um, and it could just be a reporting factor with that. So I just wanted to make sure you were aware um, of that. Yeah, I'm very aware that the criteria has changed a little bit each year. Yep. Um, but even though uh, arguably you could say that the standards have become more rigorous, um, the fact that the number of cities increasingly getting positive scores and perfect scores has gone up each year suggests that Norfolk is doing something wrong. I just and want to let you know, I think the score's wrong. So I think there's some things in there that are not being reported correctly, but that's it. That's all I want to say. But we're okay. going to look into it. So. Thank you so much. Because we don't have it.